Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. 54321, hello, Jonathan Lewis. We are live, or should do in the t- words of Martin Tyler, and it's live! Right, you, you, you've got to love it. If you don't like football, shame on you. Hit, Mar- hit Martin Tyler, though, to be fair to him has fucking milked and lived that now for the last five years like he, his his actual commentary is appalling all he can live on is the um oh, what's the other one and it's live or there's he does one before the break which i can't remember what it is like football's i don't know it's coming off the break or whatever but remember whatever he says but he's basically lived off like a couple of comments give or take the odd moment i mean i'll give i'll give him a couple of moments but um a lot of his commentary like there was um what games i watching i was watching the brighton game right and I've ne- he he was he sounded like when Salah scored the third goal for the header. I've never heard anyone be so miserable. It's like yeah, Salah scored. It's like you're supposed to be living this fucking commentary for the people that are watching at home. You're supposed to be making their like night, like you know, living it for him. You know, that's just that is true. Yeah, and but then yeah. I shopping commentators. Say again. I do like Roy Keane. I do like Roy Keane though, as a pundit. He's funny to watch. Entertaining. Like it's when he gets a bit heated and starts to, you know, literally almost fist fight. <laughs> did you what? What was the game? I think it must have been the Man United Liverpool game. Did you see the one where Liverpool beat Man United in the last game and him and Carragher like they had to, had to like the, the dude I can't remember the guy's name presenting had to like go go to a break go to a break because they were literally like Carragher was getting off his chair almost and you can see how angry Roy Keane was like he's he's going to smack him in a minute. <laughs> I think those two are, are what. A football between those two teams should be like now. It's not. It's not the same. Obviously, because one team is in a thousand points from the other, but still, there's no bite to the game anymore. Is there? Roy Keane and Carragher would have gone in and absolutely smashed each other up. Yeah, different, different generations, almost though, isn't it? In that, like even the generation of football, not even people, but the generation of football. What Roy Keane was even even different than obviously Jamie's Jamie Carragher's generation. So, like, obviously, and that's different than now. You know, it's just the stuff you just can't get away with nowadays. And I, I hate the fact that I'm even talking like this because I sound like a right old twat. But that is true. Like, the, the game is just so much softer than it was. And parts of it, right, but some of it is just shit to watch, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. But there we go. That is funny watching Roy Keane have a meltdown in the um, in the studio. But it, it, to be fair, most people like him, though, because he just he says it how he sees it. And he he's kind of the the type of guy that just won't be swayed politically by television or by TV producers or anyone else in the studio. He'll basically say what the fuck he thinks, and that's it. That's what it should be on it. Yeah, probably. But Carragher's Carragher's kind of the same. Says most shit, but that's if you can understand the scouts. And I calm down, calm down, he he calm down, he calm down, da- calm down, he he lad. <laughs> anyway, Johnny. Um, moving, um, on, moving on from football, how the devil are you? Do you know what? I'm I'm all right. I'm just at a a large coffee at ten to eight. That that sounds that sounds very productive for your well being. It doesn't, but I I just smoked twelve hour days and nights tomorrow, so I tend to step a bit later tonight. Right. I got nothing to do anyway, so I'm not oh. going to go to bed like nine. It's going to be like half eleven probably. So I got a bit of time. He's all the hot like a caffeine's up to eight hours, so really. However, I can still sleep. Mm. So 
Yeah, but everyone says that. Either I metabolize caffeine rather fast, or I'm drinking too much. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, I've joked about this before. Like, my parents, and I don't think they do it anymore, but used to take coffee to bed. Like, I think a lot of their generation did. I always remember, like, when I was a kid, my parents always used to take a coffee to bed, and then they will have, like, a bowl of fucking cereal or something, which neither are probably particularly productive for well-being again. Um, but, hey-ho. Um, and the ca- the coffee thing is people, are, oh, yeah, I have no trouble sleeping. And I still, right, I refuse to accept that that's... Uh, truly reflective of like reality. I, I just refuse to accept that people can actually take a you know a stimulant before they want to go to bed, literally, and then still sleep perfectly fine. I think, even though they think they're sleeping, they probably not even restful sleep. Because Sherry says to me, if you have a coffee within like four hours of bed, you are much much more fidgety. So it obviously, has an effect. I'm sleeping, but probably not as good. Sleep, well, that's as what it, I, as it could be. That's what I mean. I think people's baseline of what they think is good sleep literally just like lowers. So like you just you, you now know no better. Basically, you don't know any better sleep than what you have it, and therefore you feel you're sleeping okay. But that's just because your baseline's just shit. Mm. That's what I, I think. think. I, I think I feel worse in the lockdown since the lockdown. Well, you've been sleeping worse, or just feeling. I worse? think sleep, sleeping worse, going to bed a bit later, feeling a bit more. Shit, because you're not doing. Even though I, we walk quite a lot when it was sunny, but when it's been raining, it's like, it's like, oh my god, you feel a bit. You just feel fatter and lazier and more watery because you're sitting down and not exercising and not doing anything. I don't have that so, problem, Jonathan, as you can see from my current environment. It's Shredsville. Well, I'm not going to say Shredsville, but yeah. I'm getting leaner, and we can maybe give. I'll give an update in a little while, but I just meant more in terms of where I'm currently sitting in my new office. The gym office. Yeah, the gym office. I did a, a consultation for a new client yesterday, and I said, as you can see from my gym slash office slash consultation room. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've obviously uh, yeah, I've not really had. I don't. I, I well, one, I've been dieting throughout this anyway, um, and two, I've obviously got my own gym and been able to train and stuff. I've actually felt pretty good. I've still got a. I've got. Uh, do, do you want? Do you want let's, before I go on to me, let's let's get an update of you and your kind of train nutrition, what's going on at the moment, and your general well-being, because that's always nice to hear, just for the listeners to understand kind of what you've been doing. Um, I mean, last time I think we spoke about it, you were saying that you found it reasonably uh, difficult to be motivated to do kind of like home training and stuff, but you were doing the odd, odd like I don't know, I think you were doing circuits or something, or you were doing like trying to do a bit more cardio and some running and stuff. Or well. Well, I've done nothing. Well, I don't think, well, since I, I think since we've last podcast, I've probably done one workout. Okay. I'm like, is that a ring? I have any work? I'm like, I just can't be bothered. It's bad, really, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, it, sh- it shows you're human and yeah. that, that you're like everyone else. So when you're helping people in terms of coaching, you can relate to the issues and problems they have because you suffer from the same ones. Oh, yeah. But to me, it's like I got about maybe 30k in weights I'm like what's the point what's the point of the 30k I know you can do it you know in circuits you can make it hard you can make it a crossfit workout I'm like yeah not interested don't like it but if I was in the gym I'd I'm all the motivation in the world go to failure do whatever I need to do in here I'm like I could do whatever say I can do 50 press I'm trying to do 10 I go I'm not bothered anymore it hurts anymore I can't be bothered so I've I've run a little bit but it's 
every time I've gone to run, it's pissed down. I'm not at the stage yet where I'm willing to run in the rain. <laughs> don't like running that much yet. It will come to a point, though. I used to do when I was younger. I've got to love it, though. But I don't yet. Uh, nutrition is... It's all right. I seem to be holding or finding it easier to hold a lower weight. When normally, I have the old bowl of cereal, a bit of snacking. I have reined it in, in between. But nothing, if I if I'd done this when I was training, I would have been a lot heavier. But I've managed to maintain, well, I'm, I'm about two or five now. I am, if I was training, I'd probably been at least 210, 212, because that's where I used to hang about if I'm not really dieting. I mean, after the baby, I was 16 stone. And I was eating, clearly I'm not eating as much, but I'm eating this in the same fashion, but I'm like 205. So that's about, what's 16 stone in pound, like 230 or something, 240, I don't know, something like that. So I'm about 30 pound lighter, eating in the same fashion. Mm. Not really, the base of the diet is good, but the snacking, like the biscuits, the piece of toast with butter on and all that sort of shit. But her mate has just started cooking meals, like meal prep for £2 a meal. Normally it's like £4.50 million, I ain't paying that. And that's helped. You know, I'm not having that. You're not needing a cook all the time. Just go over, here's uh, 20 quid, give me 10 meals, and off to go, take it to work. Happy days. But I found it easier doing that. Because yeah. I went, what happened? I went to, I had a, I a barbecue Saturday. I had a bit shittier Sunday and I felt horrifically bloated. Like I haven't eaten oats for about three weeks and I haven't bloated once until Saturday. But it's just a lot of bread barbecue, isn't it? So I deliberately cut down over the next two or three days and I feel all right now. Yeah. But yeah, oats make me bloated. I've always wondered, what the fuck? What's making me bloated? Yeah. When all you, the time. When you say bloated, do you mean uh, as in kind of gastrointestinal bloating, as in gas, or do you mean more just kind of holding water and feeling a bit watery? Feeling horrific. Like I can, like she'll go, my God, you were so bloated. It's incredible. It was, it's almost like, um, not, a, it's not an allergy, clean or allergy, but it's almost like a sensitivity slash allergy. It's not, but, and not normal abroad in them, not normal at all. Because yeah. it, it's probably worth touching on that because there is an element of it's normal to have some bloating after eating because you hold food in your stomach and you might have some air in there. Like Obviously, at the end of the day, you see a lot of fit pros going like, oh, look, wake up and I've got these lean abs, yeah. And then they compare it to a picture at the end of the day, like side by side of them, like, oh, I've got a big bloaty tummy. It's like, actually, for the most part, that's quite normal for a lot of people to have some... Kind of the idea is when it's like, or when it's not normal is when it becomes really uncomfortable, as in like you're either in pain or it's just really uncomfortable. Um, and I think it's a fine line basically between obviously people saying, "Oh, I've got boating problems," and actually that's just kind of like normal physiology. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, as in you, imagine you just have done an eating challenge and you feel terrible like that. Yeah, yeah. It won't come. It, it might have the auto in the morning, or say ten o'clock, but it might not happen till the next day. Or it might happen two hours later, or it doesn't happen straight away. I've always wanted. Mm. I've never really done an elimination to see what it was. Yeah. I just decided we didn't have oats now, so I didn't. I didn't eat it, and I haven't had whey and oats together, which may be another another thing, for three weeks. 
and I haven't blown it at all. So it's I've had way in his own. Mm-hmm. Doesn't me. I've had and I haven't had oats at all, and that hasn't bothered me until Saturday Sunday. That was just a lot of volume of food and a lot of bread. So oats for whatever reason, not gluten sensitive, nothing like that. But I don't know. It's just what it is. Hmm, interesting. Well, as you say, you could you could kind of test that out again by kind of using elimination style tactics and mm. kind of keeping a food diary and then uh, aligning that to when you suffer from bloating when you don't and see if you can find trends. Yeah, I think I might do it. But oats is definitely one of them. And I do feel better for mm. not having I don't feel... Well, I don't feel bloated, obviously, but you get that horrible, watery, oh my God, I've gained three stone of fat overnight and you feel terrible. So I, I've had none of that yeah. until the end, but... I know what that was. I, I only really get that watery thing, like Anything. from sodium. Like I, I know, I basically I, I wash out when I have sodium. Like bear in mind that you know I've I've been quite open about how I have reasonable definition in terms of the abs at even quite high body fats or like relatively high anyway. Um, but that I can wash out in terms of look less defined as soon as I have a salty meal, and I think generally it's because I have a quite a low salt or sodium uh, kind of diet anyway in terms of diet habitually i don't eat consume a lot of salt really i don't salt my food i don't really salt my cooking the only salt i probably really get is in you know ones that are naturally in specific foods or any kind of junk or packaged food that i might then have that's probably where i get most of my salt from um I, which arguably is probably what most people get a lot of their salt from but some people eat so much packaged food they eat so much salt um but i i think because i've got a low sodium diet because i don't eat huge amounts of like packaged shit stuff and um, and I don't salt my food. When I then do, I notice a lot the kind of water retention and how I say, like physically, I can look like I've I've put on weight and washed out for a day or so afterwards. Um, and that was massively reflective on the scales as well. And that you know, have a high salt meal and two or three pounds up easily the next day, depending upon kind of like how much I've had and stuff. So that can that can. That can be a bit of a head fuck or an annoyance at times, really, especially when you're trying to diet, but you're trying to diet flexibly and therefore you do include some of those foods and you kind of tell yourself, yeah, I know I can, you know, as long as I'm controlling calories and calories the same, it doesn't matter if it comes from, you know, shit food or whether it's from kind of more nutrient dense stuff. But then when you get in, you get step on the scale and you're constantly having spikes all the time when you look back over like your scale weight over you know, a week on week on week because you keep having... Um, you know, like high sodium meals, I can get a bit annoying because it just looks like you're making not making any progress. But again, that's why it's so important to focus on that long term averages rather than kind yeah. of the days because it, it can it can seem like you're not making any progress when you keep going. Like you look, might like, take the same example. My weight might be going like one seventy, one sixty nine, one sixty nine half, one seventy, one seventy three. 171 and then and then it goes up to 173 again the next week and we'll have another meal type of thing and that just feels like you're constantly going up and down up and down up and down but you don't notice over time it is gradually the averages are going down you are losing body fat because it's you know energy balance what matters and not the fact that you're having high salt meals but yeah it can be a bit of a bit of a head fuck you can see you can see why i think like if people are not aware and they've gone from eating most probably the shit diet to me in general, until they decide, look, I need to lose weight, I need to be healthier, whatever. Most people, unless they know, they might understand, oh yeah, they might understand calories, but it's like my situation now, if you're eating, if it fits your macros type diet, 
and you're not really eliminating any foods. And you find a food, you don't know, but there's a food that you're eating every now and again, you can't pinpoint it, that it makes you feel like shit. You get that really bloated feeling, your weight spikes, you're looking watery. If you wait and take photos at the wrong time, you can go, Jesus Christ, I've been doing this a month, and not a lot has happened, especially for females, who you should, probably should compare the average weight month on month, because of obviously the menstrual cycle. But you can see why it cooks people's heads. Oh, I've seen in magazines they've lost. That's why keto is such a good thing, isn't it? What people yeah. think, because they drop all the carbs. Yeah. They tend to eliminate anything that probably is going to give anybody issues. They drop in shit loads of water. They feel tight because there's less food volume. So they go, oh, keto's amazing. But then someone who's gone on, and if it fits your macros, who's got a better relationship with food, who can go out and eat stuff they want, go out and have a drink they want, be more sociable, they see they see the people on keto go, oh, they're making so much progress and I'm not making any progress. Where they might eat something in between that really affects how they feel and they don't know about it because they, they don't understand. You can see why if people get it, they go, oh, fuck it, I've had enough of this, I'm not going to bother, binge, what's the point? So unless, the more and more, I, the more and more I think about it over time, from what I see, it's obviously the fitness industry pushing the efficiency macro thing. It is a good thing to, for people to know, right? Calories are the be all and end all. As in, if you don't, be, if you're not in a deficit, you won't lose fat. But <clears throat> it's a trend, and it's been a trend for a couple, of, maybe, maybe two, three years. You've got to have a flex bowl, which is a bowl full of bullshit most of the time. Just how much shit can I get in a bowl? Yeah, but it fits my macros. Yeah, but is it really optimal for someone? Because someone's beaten shit for twenty years probably shouldn't be doing it for fidgy macros because they've been doing that. Well, they've been doing it for fidgy mouth for the last 20 years, haven't they? So they, they probably do need a period of, actually, you need more fiber in diet, you need more veg, you need more fruit, you need more lean meat if you're not a vegan, vegetarian. You need to eat a better quality diet. And then as you progress and you learn and you understand how food makes you feel, um, <clears throat> then you could probably start introducing things like if it fits your macros, the more I think about it. Because I think I find the trouble doing this if it fits your macros. Even if you can get shredded, clearly, it's not always optimal in terms of hunger for people. Because, you know, 200 calories, depending on what you have, could be either a very, very small volume of food or a very, very large volume of food. And when you're dieting, you want the larger volume, generally speaking. So I think less people should have a flexible diet in terms of a daily challenge to see what shit you can put in your mouth because it fits your macros. They should follow a, a more stricter diet for the majority of the time, but be flexible when needed in terms of social situations, family situations where they can do it, but they're not forcing it every day which a lot of people do know because of this, if it fits your macros, way of eating. And I think it does stop people making progress long-term because they keep eating the shit they've always eaten. They have that issue with bloating and feeling shitty and watery, feeling crap. And they just give up because they think it's not really happening, but it just takes a bit longer doing that, with, eating that way because you're more susceptible to changes in water weight, salt, 
freaking yourself out when you go on a scale and you're three pound heavier because you've eaten something a day before. When the more stricter diets, will you tend to see better outcomes quicker, even though a lot of people will tend to fail because they don't understand why they're making progress. Yeah. I don't know where that rattles come from, but I, it was in my head. Well, so I thought I'd take it obviously, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there to kind of pick through if we wanted to, and there's certainly in terms of like we, you know, look at the evidence base. We know that food variety. Um, does cause people to overeat. Increased food variety is, is is correlated or associated with then eating more food because the kind of the buffet syndrome. If you've got loads of choice of stuff, people's um, kind of reward centers are more stimulated because of the variety. Generally, you know, if you have more variety, it probably means more hyperpalatable stuff, which again, same principle, obviously it then causes people to overeat. So dieting kind of in a, in a lower variety, so you've kind of, you quote unquote, yeah, you're clean eating type stuff generally means that people have better outcomes to stick into a diet because the food variety and stuff isn't there and therefore you're kind of you know this association of eating more is is taken away on the flip side though and this is why nutrition is so nuanced or just difficult uh, or multifaceted is because obviously we also know that kind of more flexible diets are more successful than restrictive diets so Kind of, if you really make put it into a reductionist perspective, you're like, oh well, then IFF, IFF, speak Hadley, please. IIFYM should be more um, successful than kind of again, quote unquote, clean eating. It's not quite that simple though, because for some of the or pretty much all the things you just said, like if someone fucks up flexible dieting or IFYM badly and therefore just basically attempts to fit as much shit into their macros as they possibly can they're going to struggle to stick to a diet and that will then take the kind of the flexible restraint um part of uh the evidence base way 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 to the extreme where it should be and then probably then going to mean that you just you're not going to be able to hear to it because you're going to have no food you're going to be hungry all the time and you're going to be stimulating all of those rewards center type stuff and the appetite type stuff that we just talked about and basically make it you know all the cravings harder you know or, or basically just wanting to eat all the food all the time and that's obviously where it comes down but that's that's people bastardizing it and just fucking it up completely isn't it you know so it's it's like everything in nutrition it's there's there's just so much kind of different facets of stuff that you need to consider and like most things like these extremes are the problems like the bits in the middle like most people would say actually you're going to have like certainly this is the way i would be speak to my clients you're going to have more success trying to base your diet mostly and i say that with so much emphasis because or, or iteration because obviously it's really important mostly around a whole food diet however including some stuff that you like is probably going to help you adhere better in the longer term compared to fully restricting everything because then you don't get that that kind of um binge restrict cycle where what people then also suffer from when they try to go really prime example this also aligns really well with the conversation we've just talked about in terms of scale weight and and people kind of feeling like they can fuck up their progress um like really really quickly when they you know have weight fluctuations um a new client that's joined the team um chatting to him about uh just kind of previous dieting experience stuff and we got talking about like when he reached out for some support for the last 10 days he's been really really on it and i can't remember words used but something like on it i've been really good um you know the typical type of sense that people kind of use in, in a snow when they're trying to diet and he, and he went and lost something like i don't know seven pounds in 10 days or something 
So like it's really you know, half a stone, a significant amount of weight in those 10 days. Um, but what he also then said to follow by, because it, it basically gone to a point where he's restricted himself like to the, to the extreme. And his own words were like, I've been starving myself almost like living on lean ham salads, um, drinking nothing but water, like 10 gallons of fucking water a day or something to try and keep full and basically just barely eating. So he's just gone on a super low calorie, super low carb diet for 10 days and seen the results of losing seven pounds. But then he went away with his partner um, to stay at uh, someone else's house, I think, for a night and ended up putting on something like six of that pounds over the, the, a day and a half of being away. Now, cl- clearly, it didn't put on six and a half pounds of body fat, which would be the equivalent of something like 20,000 calories or something. I didn't consume 20,000 calories over his um, maintenance calories that weekend or that day and a half to be able to physically put on that amount of body fat. But it just shows you how transient like weight can be in terms of water losses and stuff like how how you know i kind of had to say look you went low carb probably lost a lot of water in that seven days would have lost some body fat of course you know if you're in a calorie deficit and you're losing weight you, no doubt you are losing some body fat but you would also lost a lot of water what then happens is at the weekend when you've gone away and kind of eaten more eating more carbs probably had kind of meals that were also higher in salt and sodium all the things we just talked about and you've then just basically put a lot of the water weight back on so the the message or the take home for that point is don't get too upset or success. No, sorry. Don't over celebrate the successful bits that you see and successful in air quotes um, as those weight drops, because then when you then subsequently have the weight increases because it's water and it's transient, not body fat, you're going to be really disappointed, which he was. It felt like it, it just felt like it's no point trying those 10 days because I've just fucked it all up in a day and a half going away, which is not the case. Absolutely not the case. So anyway, that's why extreme diets don't tend to work long-term well they 99% don't work do they long-term for people because of that very thing you can't yeah, stick I to it. One, um, the rapid fat loss just to see you lose what was it whatever it was 12 14 pound then one of my stag do and I gained 11 back but I knew right that was going to happen but who didn't know because you think oh I'm eating really good I'm eating uh, lean meat, salad, veg, fruit. I'm not eating any shit. Um, no carbs, for example. Then. And you go out with your mates and you're like, oh my God, I've gained six pounds overnight. And he's like, oh, freak out. And it's just it's a cycle again, isn't it? And it does happen more in women. I feel because like they, they seem to be more, from my experience, more susceptible to what the scale tells them. Um, it's that I'll be good all week. I'll have my cheat day. Think, oh Jesus Christ, I've gained it all back. What's the point? I'm just go back to what I was eating normally. Yeah. And you get that cycle where you just, they never they spin the wheels it, for it, years and years and years. It's a self prophesizing cycle. Like it's not in reality, but they that looks on the face of it like self prophesizing that I've worked really hard for a long time and I've saw really good results from doing so. The great, that's brilliant. However, I've then deviated from working hard and had something that I think um emotionally it's in quote unquote bad i.e a burger and chips or a cheat meal or whatever that is and that bad has resulted into me putting all that weight back on therefore that meal is really really bad and i should never do that again and obviously it's just self-prophesizing in in that respect and you just see it time and time again with people with new clients kind of having those conversations where they, they you know they see themselves as a failure over a period of time because that type of stuff has constantly meant that they've just never stuck to anything because they've only looked at the kind of short term and not the longer term stuff which is clearly why we have jobs in in the industry because um people do that so much that 
you know, we 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 I suppose the service we offer is so valuable to try and get people away from that and live a better lifestyle. You know, achieve the body they want, better well-being, better health, etc., etc. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, quick update from me. Twenty-seven minutes in. I I've, I just I just wanted to touch on. I've just finished my primer phase and started a new mesocycle. And I talked about my primer primer phase when I started it. So um, I think really I actually really enjoy doing it. I will say just even the this is difficult. Maybe we'll touch on it in a minute in terms of people return to gyms. It's difficult for people to listen to this that don't have access to gym. Probably going to call me a cant because like you bastard, you'd be able to train. But obviously, I'd be able to train normally. Uh, but yeah, really enjoyed the primer phase. The just the difference in kind of like training style almost has been really refreshing really enjoyed it more than i thought i would so obviously just kind of just going through general you know like your typical hypertrophy based blocks of, of just building volume um because that's been my goal for you know forever really previously and then moving to something that's way 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 more intensity focused or strength based just been really refreshing a lot lower like basically i was doing like two sets per per uh per exercise mostly so maybe a couple of exercises per muscle group per session and then a couple of sessions per week so you know i might only be doing say maybe eight sets per muscle group a week so on the low end but obviously they're heavy sets but low reps as well so might mostly working between the kind of like three to six range in most stuff a little bit higher and maybe depending upon the, the exercise and the movement and whether you know that specific exercise or movement in question might lend itself better to higher rep work but even still like my i think my highest sets were probably like eight reps or something so overall really low rep low set but just heavy stuff and i really enjoyed it i will say really really enjoyed the different different change of kind of like training style almost for want of a better phrase does keep the volume done as well and it was you can keep the intensity for obviously for yeah well i mean yeah i mean obviously that's the whole point point for the primer phase was purely i wanted a block so, so basically, it's almost, the easiest way to describe it is almost like an extended deload, but not really a complete deload because you, you're still obviously trying to focus on building strength. But obviously, because it is so low volume, and albeit all high intensity, so, you could, so it's still obviously quite taxing. But because obviously the set volumes are quite low, your rep volumes are low, and therefore it's kind of a, like a low volume block, but you're still trying to improve and get stronger. It should You should dissipate and alleviate a lot of the fatigue and stuff, but still manage to keep your strength up or build some to create like almost like a nice little foundation now to move back into hypertrophy you know like longer term hypertrophy blocks to then start resensitize to volume and, and rebuild again so hopefully trying to kick start and stimulate some more hypertrophy because basically the, a primer phase might be nice to stick in every now and then when you feel a bit stale like you feel like oh you know i'm a bit stale now i don't really feel like i'm growing or i don't feel like i'm really getting much progression in lifts and stuff like do an extended deload, I aka like a like say a primer phase might be useful. And I found it really useful. Just just changing and it's been nice to go back actually now into like this is my first week of my new mesocycle where again I've kind of moved back into um like hypertrophy style training. Like I did a five week block basically, which is probably maybe a week longer than I would usually have liked to for a strength based stuff, but I felt quite fresh and alright still by the end of it, which I should do in a primer phase really, because it's not like I'm like my my volume didn't really change from week one to week five but i kept the sets and stuff the same really i just maybe increased weights in terms of progression over that five weeks where i needed to but i didn't add sets or anything i kind of when i started i thought i might add sets towards the end but um decided not to just to keep it try to keep the volume down and you know help myself prime like it's supposed to really get ready for 
like a like where volume is now going to build. So, but maybe that's you can ask a question. I was. Go on. Do you always have set deloads? Will you always go right? Is always going to be four weeks, six weeks, or is it auto regulated? As in, I will deload when I feel I need one. Uh, in the middle, almost. In that, I will have set, roughly set. As in, it will usually always be either for fourth or fifth week. Maybe if I'm re- something, the circumstances determine i might push it to a sixth week but usually my meso cycles are usually like a four week four week accumulation or five week and then deload for a sixth um very rarely have i really pushed a sixth week because just too much usually i find so i'd just be too beat up risk injury and just get like end up just doing a lot of junk volume and not really worth worth kind of doing it and i'm better off just taking a delay week so normally i would say it's going to be that but i will auto regulate whether it's the fourth week fifth week or sixth week of my you know, that block, depending upon how I feel, depending upon my nutritional status, that type of stuff, depending on how well I've progressed over that mesocycle. So it's kind of in the middle, really, where I kind of got one set roughly, but I will then auto-regulate that roughly based on, you know, what happens over that, that cycle. If you could give every new every newbie who started the gym a training plan like that straight away, they'd probably make so much more progress much more quickly because you it's either or, either do so much volume in a session that 80% of it's bullshit volume, doing like just pointless, or they trying to see how much lift they can, how much, how much lift, how much weight they can lift every week, but doing one at maxes. Both are not the way to build muscle. Well, no. at the start, you can do even like, as long as you don't injure yourself. Yeah. But long term, it isn't the way. No, I think, I think at the start, like for most people, when I start with them, probably wouldn't barely take deloads maybe for the first eight weeks, 10 weeks. Like you can basically look much longer cycles when you're you're kind of newer because um, you can just get away with so much more. Like you recover a lot faster and you, obviously you're not taxing yourself as much because you can't lift as heavy. So you can't build the volume you can when you're a bit more, you know, dare I say, advanced. Um, not that I'd ever call myself advanced, I don't think. I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near that stage really. But like when you've been lifting for a longer time and you kind of train a bit smarter and, you know, you kind of, you're a bit more efficient or you're kind of a bit more uh, you've learned the lifts a bit more um and you're a bit stronger i think you can you, you have to take deloads a bit more regularly whereas i think when you're kind of new you just kind of learn, you, you're almost just you know neurologically adapting rather than kind of really tying yourself out week on week and you can just keep pushing and pushing and pushing to start with um so, so i find anyway Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. Yeah, I agree. And I think people don't forget, they don't realize how important the, you know neurology plays in it by getting stronger. Yeah. Can't yeah. bench press with a clear order bench, but when you when you're able to do it properly, then you will yeah. see strength go up, and you will see the size go up yeah. relatively quickly. I think I think that's what I mean. It's certainly why people when they get like see massive strength jumps in the when they first start lifting, like the percent relative percentages of strength jumps when from someone first starts lifting compared to you know later on in your lifting career, are ginormous because and you're not building muscle that much. I mean, obviously, yes, there is the kind of the uh, 
your newbie gains to start with, but you're still not building muscle as fast. It's basically you're just getting more efficient and neurologically more efficient at lifting. You just can see the strength go up. Uh, obviously, you then start slowing up when you have to start relying on actually having more muscle mass to produce more force and more power um, over time, which is why it then slows right down, which you can't build muscle that fast. It's not as fast as you can adapt neurologically at the start. But, um, but yeah, one thing I thought just... Also mentioned, so prime phase, and then moving back into obviously more hypertrophy block stuff, which is let's say I'm really enjoying, looking forward to building. Have gone in relatively still low volume for the first week because, like, maybe we'll touch on a bit when we, when we talk about kind of gyms reopening. I am not pushing myself back into like higher volumes from week one because recipe for disaster. Um, also, I guess, like, it's worth touching on like, nutritionally. I've now been dieting, give or take. Uh, two. I, think, I can't really remember now. I think two diet breaks. One short one. One slightly longer one. Like six weeks. I think seven weeks maybe diet break I had. And then I had. I think I had like a two or three week break. Um, but I've been dieting in January. And I wouldn't recommend people diet through a primer phase. Um, albeit I'm a bit dumb probably for doing it. But you know, it's not. Even though I've done it, I wouldn't ever get my clients to do it. I don't think it's really the most sensible thing to do for a few reasons. I mean, one, obviously dieting can affect strength levels over if you're dieted for long enough usually if, like it shouldn't affect it as much as maybe people might think because there's this this age-old myth of like oh if you're dying you can lose all your strength well not necessarily you might not be able to gain a lot of strength but you're not necessarily just going to kind of kind of oh i'm dieting so i'm gonna I'm, i can't i'm suddenly gonna have to reduce all my lifts actually i think a lot of people just nocebo themselves into that rather than it actually being kind of physio- physiological but in the same breath obviously being in an energy deficit all the time you might your lift might suffer a little bit so obviously if you're then pushing higher intensities because in a primary phase that's what you should be doing that's the objective of of that uh that block like i've already talked about you're going to put yourself at more risk of injury potentially by lifting heavier so that's something to be, con- be concerned about but also and i don't i don't really know what the research i don't think there's any research specifically on like primer phase and modalities all the mechanistic stuff in that respect for muscle loss but logically and what we do know and what is out there reducing volumes is obviously not overly positive for kind of muscle retention or muscle growth because obviously if you're kind of reducing the stimulus to kind of you know what you're to keep muscle and reducing the stimulus to grow muscle you're obviously then at more risk potential of losing muscle because you've reduced your volume Albeit we do know that volumes can be quite low before you really get into a risk of losing losing muscle. But if you then pair that and double that up with being in an energy deficit where you're then less anabolic because you you know you've, you're less sensitive to anabolic stimulus, so your muscle protein synthesis, um, you kind of your the breakdown side is more pronounced when you're in a deficit, so you therefore kind of have a, a less positive protein turnover. Put them two together with basically less stimulus from training and more risk of losing muscle being in a deficit. It's probably not a good combo for when then going for like you know dieting in a primer phase, which is why I wouldn't recommend most people do it. And I'm probably a bit dumb for doing it, if I'm honest. But I was kind of in this dieting process when I when I felt I wanted to kind of go through the primer phase, and I didn't want to go into. And I probably should have just made tried to go into maintenance phase for for that period, but I just didn't. So fucking sue me, basically. But I, I was just saying it's probably no. worth, you what. It's done now. Yeah, it's well, it's done now. And to be fair, I didn't do too bad. I did have what I basically had a couple, one specifically, but a couple of really bad sessions, which where I thought to myself this was dumb. I had one leg session where I failed on a 
reasonably heavy squat after like I, I was I was aiming for like three to six. And I think I got three on. Oh, I can't remember what weight I was using, but three on my first set, and because I think I went for a fourth and I failed, and I knew for well like when I tried it, I thought I'll get this fourth, um, and I didn't. I literally fucking crumbled under the bar and safety. I just had to just dump it on the safety bars and just sit down on the ground underneath it. Um, and I was like, oh, brilliant. That's fucking great. And then I tried one rep on my second set to basically do another set, thinking, right, I need to at least get three now again then. And I tried one rep and nearly fucked it up and just stopped and had to reduce the weight. And I was like, that's it. That, for what, that going to that far failure where I literally crumbled under it has fucked up the rest of my workout now. Lucky enough, I managed to recover the rest of my exercises, but that was my squat sessions done. My squats were fucked after that. I did like my two, well, obviously I did like my th- three set where I failed my fourth. I did one single rep, then I had to lower the weight. And so I did basically my second set at my second attempt after I'd lowered the weight where I did like, I don't know, I can't remember, three again at a lower weight than I even wanted. So I was like, fucking hell, that's fuck, that's killed me now. But I mostly had enough recovery time to do it. So like, I've had a couple of sessions, like not quite at that bad, but that one and another one, which was not as bad as that, but where I felt like this was a bit dumb being doing this dieting, whereas it's obviously now testing me a bit. But other than that, I've, I've kind of, for the most part, been quite good. I've been trying to like periodize my nutrition like more proactively in terms of like carbohydrate, time in for workouts and stuff which i wouldn't usually bother too much certainly not on a maintenance and definitely not when i'm in a in a surplus that just doesn't there's just don't see much benefit from doing it otherwise so that's helped a little bit i think but yeah i think seeing good progress in the diet still you know averages week on week are still going down between half and one pound a week um down to 169 something at my lowest weight somewhere this week which to be honest i don't think i've felt this lean in well ever really at 169 i think progress yeah well it's always hard to tell isn't it like i look back at some last year's or or two years ago progress pictures where i was last down at this weight um i think i look i think you know look see i was gonna say significantly like noticed enough to be noticeable i look noticeably leaner um at the same weights and i feel it as well in terms of kind of like everyday look in the mirror obviously that changes hour to hour day to day really depend upon things we already talked around like water retention and just generally how you're feeling what angle you catch light and all that shit really so it's quite difficult to tell but if i was i'd probably think yeah you know last couple of years i I might have put on five maybe ten pounds of muscle last two years so which if it's if it's true would be good really really good like i'd be i'd call that super successful more than i thought i might um that probably comes down to partly, I think, the last two, three years, my training's been way better than it has been for the previous five years. Like, in terms of execution and programming, has been way more smarter and better than and more efficient than it, than it has been before. And I'll be honest, I also, and I was thinking about this the other day, I attribute that a lot to having a home gym. Now, that might, do, do, do you think that sounds counterintuitive? Because you'd think, actually, having a commercial gym with all your equipment available, you should get, make better gains. Yeah, the atmosphere should make better gains. Yeah, I would say so because I I can't train enough. Yeah, well, I've I've actually say I've completely taken away the ego. I've complete. I've got no one watching me here to give a fuck about what I lift, how I lift, or anything. Like, whereas when I was in the gym, there's, as much as I used to think that I was not ego driven and I didn't care what people thought, I think there's always an element that. <laughs> you probably try and push things harder or further than you should do and therefore probably sacrifice 
form and therefore kind of probably push the stimulus to fatigue ratio too much where I'm fatiguing myself more than stimulating because I'm just basically f- fucking up form and lifting too heavy and stuff like that because there's always someone around who always feel like you need to impress someone even if you subconsciously think you're not or no consciously think you're not but subconsciously maybe you are I genuinely think that actually being in this here on my own where no one knows what I'm doing only me I'm the only one that knows what's happening unless I film it obviously or something whatever but then that's never really bothered me because I haven't really thought too much about it I think I've just got way more sensible and smarter in my approach in terms of as I say the actual execution my ranges of motion you know trying to really connect like as wanky as it sounds but that mind muscle connection and also just kind of really list trying to implement like RAR and RPE style training I think that's helped loads in here than than when I was in a, in a commercial gym so Ego's got a lot to answer for in training, especially in men, because I think it's the environment you're in as well, isn't it? You can't help, yeah. yeah, you can't help it. I think I just think you you're always wanting to, especially like I went to a commer- like a proper commercial gym, enough field health, where obviously they've got a resistance training session, but it's still I would still say it's more of a health club or a fitness club than an actual. You know, it's not a spitting sawdust gym or a bodybuilding gym, so. Like I wouldn't say I was. I would never say like I was the biggest or strongest person in there because clearly I, I wasn't. But I always felt like I was one of the few people in there that actually was in there to bodybuild or or try and improve my physique rather than just go through the motions or just do fitness. Like a lot of people in health clubs are, they you know, they they're in the weights room to do fitness. They're not in there to really truly build muscle. They don't really know enough. So I, I was always kind of thinking that I was the Billy Big Balls in there, um, and I think there was an element of that meant that I probably tried to impress a bit more even if even if i was still telling myself you know i'm still lifting sensibly and i'm not just going heavy for the sake of heavy and you know fucking and compromising on my form for it whereas i think reflection now probably i probably still did a bit and i think as i say having a home gym where actually fucking nothing matters and i'm just really just all about trying to do what's best for me is just help loads yeah you think how much weight do you have to take off if you were just full range of motion you you control the weight really slowly and you are really thinking about the contraction at the top, the mind-muscle connection, you will drop the weight that you're used to be just swinging it about and not thinking about it. Mm. It just comes down to like just thinking about and just then implementing the outcomes too, but thinking about why am I lifting weights? Like I'm, I'm not lifting weights to lift heavy because I, I've got no interest in, you know, being a, fucking powerlifter or i've got no interest in really like, i don't really have an interest in being like stupidly strong like i, I i'm not going to impress anyone by saying i can bench press you know 150 kilos like i've that's never been a goal of mine to be like excessively strong yes I, it's nice being strong in terms of you know being able to physically be strong and you know the usefulness or the, the kind of what's the word um what's another word for usefulness uh Anyway, just basically the like the physical attributes of being strong is is you know being able to open jars or you know fucking carry shit when you're doing DIY or whatever. That you know that is that is useful. But I've never really been like I want to make sure I can lift 150 fucking kilos off my off my chest or anything like that because you know they just not been bothering me. But I have always been I want to look bigger and I want to grow more muscle. So I think to myself, well, if that's the case, how much how much weight I lift is less important than am I stimulating my muscle to grow the most efficiently? And that's where kind of like I use that term stimulus to fatigue. Like that's what I, I, haven't, I haven't deadlifted now in probably a year. because so I just thought, I don't know why I'm doing them. I, I kind of enjoy them, but I was constantly either feeling little niggles or kind of feeling like I might get injured. 
because I was trying to go too heavy or just push stuff. I was fatiguing myself. I didn't really fit in a, in kind of a lot of my other parts of my gym programs that I was trying to do particularly well. Um, or I wasn't prepared to sacrifice other lifts to allow it to fit in. Um, and I was just like, oh, it's actually not a great, like, no. it's not, uh, some people, I, mean, I guess it's a lot of controversy and a lot of people don't always, always agree, but I don't personally think it's a great exercise for hypertrophy. I, I just think it's too taxing too, and it's too fatiguing and you don't get as much hypertrophy from it than you might do other, like when I'm talking about a standard conventional deadlift, you know, not not other types of deadlifts, sort of hitting you, but literally like picking a barbell off the floor. You've, I've listened to quite a few people like, you know, like Lyle, like Broderick Chavez and there's um, one of the strong men said, for normal people, deadlifting is absolutely pointless. There's no needed, especially in bodybuilding. It's not needed. There's, Laws of better exercises for hypertrophy, and it's just a dick swinging competition. Yeah. Deadlift. I've been in the gym, and the, the the form is shocking most of the time. And you're like, oh, I'll put 200 kilos on. I'm like, no, nah, you shouldn't because you couldn't lift 120k probably. Yeah. So I've stopped it, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, so. I I do think that as well. I I do think for most, I mean, it's not quite as cut and dry, maybe, and like because I'm not an expert enough to say I categorically say that deadlifting is fucking bullshit for everyone. I don't think I know enough biomechanically or even from from a hypertrophy perspective to say that with you know and be confident that I'm absolutely right. But my general feeling is that I don't think it's worthwhile most people doing deadlifts because I don't I don't think it, from my experience and listening to other people talk about it, I don't think it's the best i think a better there are certainly far better options i think that you can that you could that you can use instead of you know a conventional deadlift i mean i've seen some some people will say well actually you know if you use kind of more of a touch and go type deadlift which again a lot of people will say is bullshit because i mean a deadlift is named a deadlift because it should be lifted from the floor from a dead stop so you should reset every single rep which is true you know from a safety perspective you should you know start from the start from the floor Breathe, brace, and obviously push through the ground, and, and obviously hip hinge, thrust through the bar, and then you know put it down, and then you should reset, go again. You shouldn't be bouncing and picking it up, which is is kind of like you know that's not a deadlift. But then some bodybuilders would say, well, actually, if you kind of obviously lower the weight, cause you inevitably will have to lower the weight compared to that, but and you keep a steady you know neutral spine throughout, and keep a steady motion, but you're just touch and go, so you've got constant tension on kind of your posterior and your hamstrings then it might be a good exercise to, to kind of for hypertrophy i again i just think from the fatigue perspective i just i still don't know if that's just way too much and it's just better things you could do like even an rdl or something i would think like a romanian deadlift or a straight lead deadlift i think that would be better than a conventional deadlift for the fatigue and the injury risk that it is there's a lot better yeah, I just can't. I just can't. No, go on. Sorry, cut you off. Because I see, I see you know, a lot of PTs bringing in people to do deadlifts, and it's like, what's the point? What's 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 the point? What do they need to do after? They don't need to do it. You could say, if no, if no bodybuilder ever deadlifted again in the world, are they going to suffer? Yeah, would they look? Would they look worse? No. in the long run, no. You probably wouldn't notice any different, would you? Would the injury risk be a lot less? Would they be injured less? Probably. Would most amateurs, well, novices in the gym, stop deadlifting? Would they have less injuries? More probably, almost guaranteed. 
So deadlifting has its place in strongman, in powerlifting, in those strength sports. But bodybuilding, probably you don't need to do generally. And there's other, other things out there. Yeah. So where I was going with that anyway was like that's that was just an example of where I've kind of moved away from kind of ego or stuff that just wasn't really suiting my actual goal which was to grow muscle and you know like having the home gym has just kind of made me think a lot about that so anyway that was a fucking long update we are 51 minutes in um but yeah don't, don't yeah well hopefully it's, to be fair we're probably not hardly going to talk about any topic today now but hopefully it was interesting for people to listen to if if uh if anything but so yeah, so training's going really well. Just, just I just feel really good in. I have felt really good now for ages in terms of kind of my overall plan, progression, structure, um, diets. You know, my dieting phases or whatever else has been have, have gone well this last last five, nearly six months now. So I'm feeling good. My issue now is really more around where do I stop? And I said this the other day to to a mate of mine. Um, I am in a bit of a conundrum of the only real reason I'm continuing to diet now is pure vanity. As in, like, longer term, I should probably be thinking, like, actually, you've got no reason to diet, mate. Just might as well now move into either a maintenance phase or or kind of start to push and try and, you know, build again. Because, but I've kind of dieted for so long now, kind of feel a little bit like, oh, I'll be cutting it a bit short or it'd be a bit wasted dieting, which is not wasted dieting exactly. It's all about priming, you know, the same way as my training. I've primed myself now for a really good, long building phase. But I kind of think to myself, well, I'm kind of halfway there now. What's wrong with dieting a bit longer and then, you know, building again afterwards? Because you might as well see how shredded you can get. And part of me makes me think, well, while I'm finding it relatively still easy and it's not a real struggle, maybe I should. So... If it's not a struggle, you probably should just carry on going there. Yeah. It's but no then, part of the tool, is it? No, but other than I've got no reason to diet other than vanity, then maybe I shouldn't. And maybe I should just think, well, fuck it. I'll just go back into, you know, building again. But that's why it's hard. That's why it's difficult. So I've got this conundrum or this, par- this yeah, well, not a paradox is the right word, but conundrum, I suppose, is better. Or this dissonance of, oh, I shouldn't really be dying it, but then might as well because I'm halfway here now, or I'm, you know, two-thirds of the way here now, and while it's not difficult, carry on, and I keep thinking to myself, and, it is, and there is an element of also not just vanity, confidence, you know. Um, in fact, shout out to Harry Smith, because he put something the other day about he's now started a diet. for. He said because he, he just feels so much more confident in himself, like a couple of kilos lighter. And he says that sounds really shit or vain to, to want to diet and get a bit leaner for that reason. But... Genuinely, he does. He feel, if he feels more confident and that it kind of improves his well-being, then because just by being a couple of kilos lighter, then is it a bad thing? Is that really a bad thing? And maybe yeah. maybe I'm in that similar boat where, I mean, I feel confident now. Like, don't get me wrong, I feel in a good space, and but I feel like, oh well, you know, it's, there's a bit about me that makes you feel like I might be, you know, just interested to see how lean I can get while it's still relatively simple dieting. Don't realize not all the time. There's there's moments where I think oh, I wish I could eat a bit more because social occasions would make it a bit easier or or whatever else. But there you go. Anyway, that's an insight into my brain where I am currently. The world of Brett. The world of me. Um, yeah, I thought you talked a lot. Oh no, I've just fucking absolutely gone on, haven't I? Um, so gyms are opening soon, Johnny. I think twenty fourth. They're suggesting. Well, that? in England. In England, sorry. Yes, I forget you're in the the deep south of Wales. Mm. So I don't know when it's going to be for us. Mm. Three weeks after, maybe. 
So I'm quite looking forward to going in there. Yeah. I, I've even thought what I'm going to do the first week. I'm just going to do um, upper, lower, upper, lower, and I'm just going to do one exercise per body part for each uh, action. Mm. You know I mean, yeah. just to go right skin there, because you know, if you're going to go, oh, let's start back on, uh, you know, week four of a feminine measure cycling, you're going to butcher yourself and you're going to be aching, and it's going to be like, what's the point? So I'll uh, ease in the first week, build volume up slowly, and I'm gonna have an, ex- and I'll probably do an extended um, mesocycle. So I maybe won't deload after four to six weeks, but it'll take a bit longer, but but progress a bit slower. I mean, to get back. Yeah. So. Um, so you're so basically you're gonna take a, a or, or, so your plans once you're reopened to go in obviously kind of easy. Uh, but then extend your actual mesocycle because obviously I guess you're just taking like a, you know adding like an introductory week or you know a longer introductory period because yeah, and because come trying to be dog shit my first winner in the first week I'll be aching after one set of bicep curls with five kilos six yeah. reps there's there's probably a couple of things to consider isn't there so one is that I guess in that. There's there's obviously something called the repeat about effect that when you uh, do any form of exercise, your body kind of adapts um, to protect itself. So that and we all know that feeling. You know, you go in and like I used to have. Like, I remember I used to play football. The first first preseason friendly or game. I remember I used to be hit like a bus the next day. I could barely walk. And obviously after a few games, that just that repeat about effect kicks in. Kind of has that protective effect against damage. And then you know once you get used to it. You then, oh, you know, actually, yeah, I don't, I'm not sore anymore after kind of playing games and stuff. And it's the same, you go in the gym, you go in the gym, and you, you know, you, you do your first ever exercise session, you wake up and you've got like fucking severe DOMS for like an entire week, but you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, as you then train more, that becomes less and less, and you, that repeat about effect protects you against the, the damage, and, you know, you're not as sore. And you kind of get the same effect again when you then change exercise patterns or you kind of slightly change stuff and you get that that new stimulus and you, you get that soreness again. So, and that's just the, the kind of this, this repeated bout effect then kind of having to kick in again. So that's something that people need to consider that don't go in and smash yourself in the first week trying to make up for having three months off the gym or whatever because your body's not going to be used to what it's doing and you're going to be very fucking sore waiting for that repeated bout effect to come in and protect you. So like, that's one reason to go in and basically do quite low volumes, low intensity and just get used to it. The other thing as well is what I was going to say is the other side is to think about you're going to be out of practice. Like yeah. as, much, as much as you might think, I know how to lift weights, you'd be surprised at how kind of we talked about neurological and kind of the, kind of the skill element of it. That's a big part and you'd be surprised at how if you try and go and lift heavy you might fucking injure yourself or um you just might not do very well in the gym because actually you just haven't done it in a while i think do do, do you like when you when you change exercises up or you go to an exercise you haven't done in a while do you do you find that you you kind of struggle with the pattern a little bit and it takes a little while to get back into the groove yeah. just kind of feel yeah you, i think with anticipate oh, I, I know roughly i'll be this strong you're like bong you're like oh i'm not <laughs> it's harder than i remember Especially I've done it for like months and months, maybe even a year or so. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. I tried deadlifting in a well, a months ago, and I thought, "Fuck, you know, this is this this is difficult." Yeah. Just to remember to set up properly, and I used to do it, you know, a couple of years ago for fun. But now it's like, woof. 
it's been a couple of years now, and it is hard work to come back and do it. Yeah, especially like the, your complex compound movements of squats, your deadlifts, or whatever. They because they're multi joint movements, and you know they take a lot of skill, a lot more skill than you know your isolation. You know, it's a lot harder than just bicep curling. Um, yeah, they, they obviously they, you go in and try and do that. And you're like, oh, this just feels odd, or oh, I just don't feel quite in the groove, or you know, like old that you say you just can't lift as anywhere near as heavy as you maybe thought you might be able to. And it's like, oh, I've lost loads of strength, I've lost loads of muscle. Well, no, probably you just again, you just got to get used to that skill based movement again, and you neurologically adapt over time again and get used to it. So, there are probably a couple of angles people need to consider when the gyms reopen to go back in. Um, don't go in and smash yourself, also take it easy because you're going to be at risk of injury or you're just not going to feel particularly great in the kind of the skill-based stuff because of how difficult it's going to be. So I'm probably going to do every exercise I'm going to do. I'm probably going to be reps and reps and reps short of what I normally would be doing in that weight. I know I'm going to fatigue very, very fast. That's what I think that's going to happen. I, I'm probably going to know that's going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, so – be like dog shit you're like oh my god i can do 10 of these i can, I can i'm failing on fighting what's going on there yeah how, how are you going to build your volume over over time then so you know going week one like you say you're just going to start off just i suppose like that introduction of just just doing one that just doing something so just doing an exercise per muscle group almost um what are you going to do in terms of building it up over over that period your six weeks as a, as a brief thought i'm probably going to do it over like 10 weeks to make it a you know, an extended one when normally I'd probably deload after five, sometimes six, depending on how I'm feeling. So if they can start off on um, one X, if they like um, legs. So I'd do, <clears throat> the thought is to do, just do squats. So, you know, it works pretty much everything. Work up, do a couple of warm sets, so two or three warm sets and then do a nice controlled set of 15 that's my head so far maybe 15 to 20 then do something like <clears throat> Romanian deadlifts and then do the same fashion with that and then maybe a small amount of calves uh, leave it at that and then maybe the next week I'll add a set two squats and if we leave the rest of the then the week after adding a set of a set extra of the Romanian deads and the calves, see how things go. And then build up from there, add in good three sets each, and then after that I start adding another exercise in. And then when I add another exercise in, I'll drop the reps and then Build the intensity up a little bit. That's a, that's what I'm thinking. So if I haven't really planned, but I am planning at all. But off the top of my head, that's what I think I'm going to work here. Yeah. And then build up to a decent amount of volume and a decent amount of intensity. You know, towards the back end, say eight, nine, ten for the week. Look where I am. Assess and go right. Let's start a proper block now for the next six weeks after that. So yeah. hopefully. The and we could be back to normality and everything would be tickety-boo. I think there's probably some merit in as well thinking about 
like should i go in and maybe start with compounds or should i go in and start with something a bit simpler that just stimulates the muscle a bit so maybe go in and consider oh instead of doing squats maybe i'll just go and do something like well maybe just maybe a less complex squat you could do like a goblet squat or um even air squats for some people i don't know but i guess you might be doing training at home but i'm just thinking like in terms of kind of regressing some of the patterns to something a bit easier simpler less fatiguing less injury risk just while you're kind of again having this introduction um or isolation types like might even just go and do some some um hamstring curls and quad extensions say um just again provide some stimulus that you've not had during lockdown that type of thing that might be worth just considering that rather than even going in and doing something as complicated or complex as, as a compound so tails of blood squat it's a cyclist called blood squat also the goblet squat where you raise your your, your heel is quite high in a, like a 20k plate yeah so you can get you can, you can go you can set that more you know, and you can go really really deep into the squat so that's another that's another good option yeah to really the quads a nice stimulus yeah that's what I mean And you can really control the depth. You can just go as deep as you feel is necessary until you, till the focus comes off your quads. And you don't, obviously, because you're limited to more weight you can use anyway, obviously, because you can't roll within a 200k dumbbell. So you are limited to more weight you can use. So it's going to be less ego-driven and it's, it's easier to focus on form a quality of reps doing that as well. Mm. So I might do that. Yeah, yeah. Well... Um, I think, I mean, I, I guess the message that we just want to give out to people that are considering going back to the gym when they first go, I mean, not even might even go back actually thinking about it. Maybe a lot of people will think, oh, I'm not sure if I want to go and work out in a mask or, because um, obviously the environment's going to be different now as well with everything open. In, in ter- yeah. Oh, yeah. What a lot of shit. Yeah. Well, I think it's got, we've got to protect ourselves from this virus, Johnny. It's, you know, it's just it's going to be difficult for people that again another another reason I'm so glad I got home gym, but it's going to be difficult for people that then um, kind of have to go into commercial gym and then work around all of the stuff that they're then going to have to do in terms of kind of safety and hygiene. We can get pissed up and fight each other and shag each other and I don't. Mm. Just it baffles my brain. See the some of the decisions they make and it baffles my brain. Yeah, it's all times that people fight and have sex and neck each other, spit at each other. Be within neck and distance. But, oh, if you go to the gym now, we'll open them a month or six weeks later. Got to wear masks. Like, Jesus Christ! You can't, you can't shower. Not with a shower. Got to. You got to turn up. Change. You got to go home um, without showering. What is the chances of you getting it in reality? Well, in my in in, in Wales, it must be so slim that I could probably lick someone's face and probably won't get it. <laughs> I don't recommend you do that. By the way. No, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> but I don't know. I've got nothing now, really. Yeah. Well, haven't we all? But it ain't going anywhere. So we've got to stay strong, stay alert, control the virus. Oh, no, I got the first bit wrong. What was it? Uh... Oh, shut up. You bell <laughs> I don't remember what the first bit is now. So control, stay alert. What's the first before stay alert? I don't know. It's bullshit anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Stay alert, control the virus. No, Listen to a scruffy-headed dickhead who's running the country. What's quite funny is Michael Gove goes, uh, "Well, you know, people could wear could wear masks in shops, but um, you know, it's, you know, they should, they shouldn't they don't necessarily have to. It's, you know, we can let people make their own decision." And Boris comes out hours later saying, "Everyone has to wear masks in shops." 
It's like, do you two even fucking speak? What? You know, you just you almost contradict each other. But I think you should yeah. wear. I think you should wear masks. Do you want a good job or Brexit? Apparently. Um. Well, his idea of Brexit, maybe, but I don't think anyone else's idea of Brexit. He's probably getting what he wants, but then that's the whole point of why he's doing this because he wants what he wants and not what's probably best for our countries. Like reducing the um, food standards. Yeah. yeah Sticking that in. Trying to make some millions and billions for himself and his rich friends. Anyway, uh, let's not get political because people don't like that type of thing. We get poor reviews in that for that case. So, um, we're 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 quite a way into this one, so I think I'm gonna call it a day there, my son. Um, been been enjoyable. I mean, joy catching up, even though we've barely touched on any topic that we thought we might. But hopefully, it's been of use for some people. Um, if it's not, tough shit. Uh, and if you made it this far and listened, we're forever grateful. Um, so yeah. thank you. And obviously, if you did, if you didn't make it this far and you heard me say tough shit, then well, sorry, if you did make it this far, you wouldn't heard me say tough shit. So meh. Um, <laughs> if people want to do us a solid uh, and leave us reviews, please do so on iTunes. We would love you to to kind of help us promote the podcast more. Share it with your friends and family. Um, myself me myself myself and johnny both have coaching spots available still if people want to get in touch for any um, any potential support we'd love to help people so uh, please get in touch if you want any support or help with your nutrition or training or both anything else jonathan i, no, I don't think so what's good think... what's good buying welsh i don't know you call yourself welshman yeah i live in wales i don't speak welsh though. Well, but my daughter's going to start well school this September so she she's going to be calling me a dickhead and I'm not going to know anything about it <laughs> uh, classic <laughs> kids she, she probably will as well mate kids are like that aren't they cheeky little things yeah what's that in Welsh no she doesn't say that <laughs> right okay then on that note I'm going to say Alvida Sane pet I was going to say bye pet pet Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.